Watch it. Boys racing. Here we go. And go hot. And go hot. Welcome back to the Paddlers Pod. Yes, I know, I know. We've heard the messages, we've heard the complaints, but we are back, or at least one of us is back today. Uh, it's been an incredible time for me personally. I think I foreshadowed that on the last episode that I was heading to the United Kingdom for the Ashes Cricket Series between Australia and England. For anyone that that does make sense to, then you don't need me to explain just how incredible that was as a sporting spectacle, but. To everyone else, please just trust me that it was a <laughs> it was a lot. It was also a really big career opportunity for me as well, so I invested plenty of time in that. As for Mackenzie Harnard, well, he's been to the other side of the world and back, and he is not here with us today. Instead, he's somewhere in Indonesia on a boat enjoying the waves. Instead, we have the great Austin Kiefer with us. Austin, hello and welcome back. Oh, it is a pleasure to be here, Sam. Thank you uh, for having me on. You know, it sounds like you had an opportunity to really take your broadcasting and reporting skills to the next level. So you had to upgrade and get a uh, a new partner here for the popular spot. No, <laughs> you know that I love Maka. That was only a dig because he he beat me down in the last race and it feels tough to come in second to him. So I had to get in a little dig where I could and it hasn't been on the water recently. <laughs> I personally view the Ashes Tour as one big training exercise to build back up for the back half of the year for the Paddlers pod. So I've, I've very much appreciated that experience. This is Macro. I actually had a message from him tonight. He was enjoying a few of the local beers in Indonesia, a few bintangs, and he said that the surf over there was probably going to be about 12 to 15 foot for the first week of their boat trip. Um, and you know that if Big Wave Macro is getting nervous about the size of the ocean, then it must be some pretty extreme stuff. So Austin, I'm glad you're here because who knows, maybe Macca won't want to come back or maybe he won't come back in one piece. So we might need you for the long haul. But Austin, you mentioned it there, the Gorge Downwind Championships. It's America's biggest race. It has been run. It has been won. But overall, how was the experience? You know, Sam, it was a, a really magical experience. It was so fun to have internationals come back to the U.S. for, I know, they came to the Molokai, but you know, Hawaii feels a little bit different. And to have so many incredible international paddlers come to continental U.S. for a surf ski race was really special. And it's something I, I really look forward to every year, not only as a chance to you know see where the fitness is and race some of the best in the world, but also to catch up with friends and athletes that I, I don't see any other time of the year. It's one of the great events. Congratulations to Carter Johnson again for getting it done because it seems just to grow year and year, if not unintentionally this year. Am I right in saying that he accidentally left the extra entries open for too long and he accounted for about 50 extra people this year? He did, yeah. Whether it was the craftiest marketing ploy or if it was an actual accident, you know, that's left to be determined. But he definitely broke all kinds of gorge records this year with the participant number. Well, I'm glad that you are here, Austin, to talk us through it because I feel a little bit unqualified at the moment. I think now my counter in terms of the last time that I actually was able to sit in a boat and paddle 
is starting to push around three and a half months. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that first couple of sessions back. Have you been paddling? You know, uh, <laughs> as we're probably about to find out, the the race was a bit of a blow, personally. It was a tough one. It was a flat one, and it was a, a challenging result. So I'm only now just dusting off the paddles and getting back at it. Um, so not quite three and a half months, but we'll say three and a half weeks. <laughs> Well, you're certainly the most qualified here at the moment, so that is why we are so grateful to have you with us, Austin. We are going to be talking through the Gorge Downwind Championships today, but we are going to quickly start with another huge achievement that we do need to honour on this episode of the Paddler's Pod. The Paddler's Pod. Power plays. Dougal Glacier, the Paddler's Pod, very own paddler. We have spoken about Dougal a fair bit on this podcast. We've had him on a couple of times when he was paddling across Europe. Now, he has paddled around the United Kingdom. Yes, he is one of Great Britain's best surf ski paddlers. We see him on the international racing scene across Europe as well. And he has gone and done an achievement that is very hard to wrap your head around. He has paddled around the coast of the UK in 40 days. The previous record for that was somewhere around 60. Dougal says he didn't set out to go and smash that record, but that is what ended up happening that last day, he ended up clocking something like 100 kilometers to get to the finish line. Austin, we've had a couple of these kind of paddling achievements now where people take on challenges that are so hard to wrap your head around. What do you think as a paddler when you hear about someone clocking, I think it was something around 5,000 kilometers or 4,000 kilometers that he did get done in just 40 days? Oh, speechless, I think is where I go to him. I mean truly lost for words. When we talk about these paddlers who have done incredible things like circumnavigating Australia or crossing a major ocean or circumnavigating United Kingdom, in this example, it's really almost impossible for me to put myself in that situation because I I dread when I have like a 24K paddle (laughs) on the program. You know, it's like, oof, that's going to be a long one. That's going to be a lot of time in the bucket. And I could not imagine doing that all day long and then also doing it day in and day out. It's hats off achievement to Dougal, but also anyone who undertakes a long expedition of, of that duration. Just incredible. Oh, absolutely. Dougal actually covered 5,500 kilometers when he was paddling across Europe. And he said that he had the idea one day where he thought, I wonder how fast I could actually cover this. That was where the idea was born for him to paddle around the UK. The record was 67 days. He smashed that in 40 flat, 3,200 kilometers. And really importantly as well, he was raising awareness and money for the UK-based charity Action for Diabetes. Dougal was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes back in 2019 after he went and won a surf ski race and just didn't quite recover. So it's never too late to jump onto his website and check out that information. Also throw a few dollars his way. He's certainly earned it after that achievement. And Austin, I guess it puts what we're going to chat about into a slightly different light, the tough 20-kilometer race that you recently did on the gorge. Yeah, certainly a a different duration uh, and uh, a different time domain, but it was challenging nonetheless. <laughs> Number one. So it's one of the most prestigious surf ski races in the world. The Gorge Downwind Championships held just outside of Portland in Oregon in the United States of America. And this year, two new champions were added to the list. German Gordon Harbrecht 
with an incredible performance. He won in a time of one hour and 28 minutes and 48 seconds ahead of South African Mark Keeling, who was about two minutes further back, maybe two and a half. Jim, my maths isn't too good on the fly. Our very own Mackenzie Heinard was third, just seven seconds behind. Then it was Klaas Gebhardt from Germany, a training partner of Gordon's was fourth. Pat Dolan was fifth, and Austin, you were sixth. Before we speak about the women's race, let's get stuck into the men's, because there were just seconds separating you from second through to six. It looked like a very intriguing and a very brutal battle down the river. It really was, Sam. It was a little bit less win than everyone was looking forward to. If anyone has talked with you or any of the listeners have heard from athletes who were at the race, the week leading up to the event was blowing incredible wind. On Monday, actually, I had one of the best downwinds I've ever had at the gorge. And the excitement and enthusiasm for a just cranking gorge race because we're due for one was the stoke was extremely high but unfortunately on on race day which ended up being called for thursday the wind was pretty light and it ended up being a light wind for the first third and then really petering off to almost nothing for the rest of the race you know enough so that you couldn't use any draft tactics and there were some some bumps but it was Oh gosh, it was a slog and a, a very challenging race and, and one of the smallest conditions that the, the gorge has ever had. Well, wow, do you hear that coming from you? That must be pretty brutal stuff because you've paddled that river as much as anyone else has and you've done this race so many times. It was interesting looking at the field for this year's race as well because there was a lot of guys that haven't actually competed on the river before. Did you find the dynamic being a bit different than it had been in previous years? You know, I've been really impressed both last year when Nikki came across and ended up getting second and this year with a couple of of newcomers in, you know, most notably the Germans and Mark placing in the top five. It really there is just a new level of being able to perform on that first time at the gorge where I feel like in years prior there seemed to be a learning curve where it took a year or two to kind of get the feeling for the way the waves felt at the gorge as they do feel slightly unique uh, but also just what line to choose Um, and I don't know if it was because the last two years have been smaller conditions and therefore maybe the wave dynamics haven't been as challenging to adapt to or if it's just been the caliber of athlete coming is is a really an athlete who's able to adapt to you know whatever environment they're put into. We I think you know both could probably stand to be argued, but whatever the case, uh, it didn't seem to play a factor in anyone in the in the top ten who had not yet raced at the gorge. I got maybe three quarters of the way to writing an article online on the Paddler.News actually in the day after the race. I did speak with Gordon Harbrecht and he spoke me through it. Unfortunately, that was when the series kicked back off again, the ashes, and I didn't do anything else beyond that. Now, that article is about to go on the website if you haven't already seen it online. But Austin, please tell me if I'm wrong. I remember Gordon saying that essentially it was quite a strong start from everyone. It was fairly even for those opening few kilometers. And then he started to extend that gap. How did you kind of see things play out? I mean, that was exactly right. It was it was a really fun first couple K. It was a little bit of, there were some small waves and everyone was crossing their fingers, you know, that hopefully that would just build and build and, and there would be that kind of 
tight, interesting race, downwind drag race dynamic for the rest of the event. Um, but I think both the wind and Gordon had different plans for the race. <laughs> after the first couple of K, I think I think his quote after the race to me was, yeah, I was looking around, seeing when everyone was going to make their move and no one did. So I just decided I'd make a move. <laughs> I think he even said something along the lines as well. He he might have thought that there was another boat coming too that was one of you guys and he thought, oh no, I've got to go. And he said he sprinted for a couple of kilometers and then realized that it was actually a paddler from a different category. Um, so I think he emptied the tank a little bit earlier than he wanted to. But yeah, a really strong performance there from Gordon and, and one that bodes, I think, really well for his finish to the year too. Of course, we're all kind of building towards the Shore and Partners WA Race Week and also the ICF Ocean Racing World Championships being held in Perth at the same time. This is a good confidence-boosting win for Gordon on the way to that. Oh, man, it's incredible. I think, I am not sure if this is true. I remember maybe reading it from his social media. I can't believe it's true because he's such a, a powerful athlete who has performed so well. But he said something about it being his first big international win. Um I don't know if that's accurate because I, I... I think that checks out. I know of many other races that he's won, but maybe in terms of like being a really distinguished outside of of Europe um, surf ski race on the calendar. Regardless, he put on a master class and, you know, was in the mix early on. And then from, you know, kilometer four on, took the race by the horns. And it was, it was his race to the point where I think the rest of the field just watched him disappear into the distance. So it was scary and really exciting and and it's definitely a space to watch gordon uh for the rest of the season i'm really excited to to watch him race in all of the the races in western australia later this year and while he did clear out unfortunately that didn't alleviate any pain for the rest of you guys one minute and 10 seconds is separating second through to sixth place here at the finish line. Austin, talk us through that last battle towards the line. Oh, it was it was misery. I, I don't know if everyone else was experiencing this. <laughs> I, I, I wish that we could have Mac on here and, and he could, you know, dish back a little of the, the shit talking that I was I was dishing out earlier in the intros, but it just felt <laughs> horrible. And there were moments where I think Mark Keeling was was established himself as kind of the front runner for that second place and and held that position for most of it. I think Mac and I pulled even with him maybe once or twice during the race, but he was kind of consistently that that athlete in second, but for third through sixth, we were all just mixing around and and taking leads and it was it was like a <laughs> it was the slowest drag race I've ever experienced in a surf ski race. It was just everyone was was taking pretty different lines and barely trying to milk the small runs that were and, and t- trying to take small periods of rest where they could. But it was just an agonizing, slow drag race all the way up until about three or four K to go. For anyone who's done the race, that's right around where you're coming into Wells Island and you kind of near the the end of the traditional quote-unquote wave section. For us, it was more of a, a small bump section. Um, and that was when I, I kind of I made contact with Mark and saw he was really strong. That was only a brief moment. And then Mac and I had a bit of a battle, and he, you know, pulled ahead. A and I think that just broke me mentally, and, and not long after that, Pat Dolan and, and Klaus, who were having a, an amazing battle for the finish sprint, uh, pulled past me as well, where I had no will to live. 
uh, and and had to to settle for sixth, which oof, was a was a sting as it was my my first time out of the top five at the gorge. But hats off to to the top five; they were they were strong on the day, and uh, and I definitely hope uh, for the opportunity to race against them next year. <laughs> it certainly speaks volume to the quality of the field and. Austin, you were wondering how Maka found it. I did speak to Maka two days after the race, hoping to record this podcast episode, but he was so exhausted, he actually said that he, he simply couldn't speak. So it, it certainly took a toll on him as well. Um, look, it was an incredible battle in the men's. You mentioned Pat Dolan there. Good to see his name on the result sheet as well again. And class Gebhardt too from Germany. Gordon doing an incredible job to bring a generation of German surf gear paddlers through. But... The thing that I enjoyed most, I think, about watching the race unfold from a distance was the depth of the women's race, Austin, because normally we do have a couple of really strong athletes. Last year, it was Danielle McKenzie and Anna Swedish going head-to-head. This year, there was a lot of big names at the race, but it was Kira Bester, the South African, who took it out in 1 hour 36.25. That was more than a minute ahead of Anna Swedish. Gemma Smith was about 30 seconds further back from Anna. The current uh, world champion, Gemma Smith. Then there was Milani Van Neerkirk and Rachel Mayhew rounding out the top five. Australian Brianna Massey was in the mix there as well. That's a really strong depth, Austin, that I don't think we've seen at the race since, well, I guess we go back to when Anna made the top three as a 16-year-old a year that had Tennille Haddon. Rachel was there again. Naomi Flood was there that year. This is really good for women's paddling. I mean, this is incredible. And I... I, I don't know the exact reason for, for why across the board, but I know that everyone on a domestic level was just thrilled that we were seeing that level of turnout on the women's field. I think I like to personally think just because it's been so fun watching her journey and, and, and watching her really emerge onto the international stage as a, as a dominant female athlete in the sport. I think I hope that there's a level of wanting to race Anna in her home course that that drew some of that field. Um, but I know talking with Anna before the race, it it really was the the deepest and, and strongest field since um, since the that that year that she she had her podium debut and it was really exciting to have all the women here and I got to paddle with a few of them as they were preparing for the event and it was. Uh, it was just really special to have that caliber and that depth of field on on both the men's and women's side. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a really impressive result for Kira Bester as well. She was about two minutes ahead of Gemma Smith. And I know that Gemma had had a bit of time off after the Australian surf life-saving season had finished, but she's an incredible paddler in the flat. Uh, No less the rest of the women in that field as well. Kira is someone that we've seen pop up from time to time at, at big races in South Africa, but... We haven't seen a lot of in the international stage. Austin, what did you see from Kira on race day and also throughout the week as well? Because this is the kind of result that really springboards you on onto the international scene, particularly in such a big year as well for paddling. I should have taken more note when she won the Cape Point Challenge. I mean, that race is such a grueling event. And for her to have a win there on a year that sounded arguably extremely tough, I think spoke to her her grit and her determination and her will to win. So she possessed that quality. And I think because of the caliber of Gemma Smith as the, the reigning world champion and and knowing that Anna is so dominant in the in the gorge, I just I kind of was not expecting that performance from Kira. But to her credit, 
watching some of the the video captured of the race and then talking with Anna after, you know, Kira really took the race by the horns and, and charged early in conditions that I, I thought would have been um, more of Anna's strong suit. But, but Kira really was pushing the pace from the very beginning and, and really uh, hats off to her for, for winning on a, a gutsy performance. Yeah, and it was two really competitive races, which is what we love to see on the international stage, but no doubt an incredible week as well. Austin, just one on the spectacle of the gorge. How was it this year? You've been to so many now that every single one of them always is just such a fun time. Yeah, it it's it's one of those races that for me, you know, living here in the US, it's it's a race that I wait pretty much all year for because it's when the international community comes to me. I know I don't live in Oregon or, or really near the race course, but it's a race that's very near and dear to my heart. And uh, it was just so special to see the confluence of, of all of the domestic paddlers who are just so enthusiastic about the sport, so wanting to have a little bit more downwind in their life and, and really celebrate that with other surf ski enthusiasts. And then see also those international athletes descend on Hood River and, and come to, to stake their claim at the Gorge. Yeah, absolutely. And long may it continue as well. Actually, I want to have a little chat about American surf skate paddling. We will get to that. But first, a message from the sponsor of this episode. Well, it's come up a few times and it is getting closer. The ICF Ocean Racing World Championships are being held in Perth at the end of November this year. And it is being combined with the Shore and Partners WA Race Week. The two biggest races of the year are happening back-to-back in the one location, and we absolutely cannot wait. And in some breaking news for all of the surf ski lovers out there, there is a big in confirmed. Actually, Austin, can we talk about this? You're coming down under. Let's just get it out there. I'd love to hear. I'm on the edge of my seat just like the listeners. It's you. It's you. <laughs> You're coming to Australia. Oh my gosh. I thought we were actually getting something exciting. Um, yes, <laughs> I am. This uh, Last year, watching everything unfold in the WA race week, I just could not sit another year out. I don't know if I'll be fit enough to make any impact on the top 10 or the top uh, racers in the, the field, but I am so thrilled to say that I'm coming to to participate and celebrate in what has got to be the the biggest festival of surf ski racing across two weeks, including the WA race week and then the ICF world championships. It's, it sounds for all intents and purposes, like the race experience that cannot be missed in the sport. Once in a generation, I'm calling it the golden runway of races as well. Two weeks of big races, but more importantly, Two weeks of fun times as well. The ICF Ocean Racing World Championships will have a shuttle bus that is able to get people out there and paddling on the course as well. So don't think that there's downtime between the two events. It is going to be non-stop action. There's plenty of workshops planned, coaching clinics, as well as some really fun entertainment as well around the World Championships. The Shore and Partners WA Race Week speaks for itself. Now, entries for both of those events are now open and certainly filling up fast too. The race week does have a cap on the doctor, of course, in terms of getting those boats across to the island and how many people it can hold. So if you are planning on coming, it's time to start getting that sorted because it is all going to fill up in an instant. Now, Austin, you're a podium place getter at the doctor, and that is one of the biggest titles that someone can earn 
in our sport. What is it about Perth? What is it about those conditions? What is it about the city that you really enjoy? I mean, for any paddling enthusiast who loves, which I'm going to go out on a limb here and say is arguably the best part of the sport, i.e. catching waves and surfing downwind, Perth is the place to do it. It is the doctor wind blows almost every day during the summer. And every time I've gone, even if it doesn't quite line up with the actual doctor race day, there have been, you know, just paddles down joy and bliss when surfing in Western Australia. So for me, Perth is synonymous with incredible downwind, both down the coast and the crossing. And I think also the ability to pack so many races into a two-week window and have a very high likelihood that all, if not most of them, will have downwind, it's an unparalleled experience. And I just am so glad that they're able to host both a world championship as well as this festival of racing in the WA Race Week in the same duration of time so that athletes like myself who may not get a lot of time off work can can come across and, and participate. And also peak for the one event as well. It, the stars really have a line this year for surf, skate, paddlers. You need to be in Perth in the month of November. And as I said, entries are open for the World Championships right now. You can also head to the website, head to Paddle Australia's social media channels, and that will point you in the right direction for everything with accommodation, help, boat rental options. It is all out there now, and it is the time to act. So get started, get motivated. I might even have to get back in training as well because the World Championships are coming to Australia for the very first time, and it is going to be huge. Now, Austin, I lured you in by selling that this was only going to take half an hour. But before I let you go, I do want to have a little chat about surf ski paddling in the United States as well, because obviously you are a focal point of that. We've seen you racing for so long and you're also helping to bring the next generation through, particularly Anna Swedish that you've raced a lot with, who did claim a podium finish at the doctor as well last year. She's going to be at the front of the world championships this year. I feel like it's a really exciting time for paddling in the U.S., particularly around the women's scene as well. I think you're absolutely right. I think Anna's success and her rise, I'll go ahead and say meteoric to the top, has been really exciting for the female field in the U.S. And I think a lot of young women are looking to Anna as, and I know she's young herself. So when I say young, I mean truly, <laughs> truly young in like the junior space and, and, you know, just getting into the sport. I think so many women are seeing what Anna's capable of. I mean, I think she was 11th overall on the results in the surf skis, men and women. So the fact that there can be a, a near flat race uh, and not really even playing to her strengths and she can have that kind of result um, is, is truly miraculous. And so I think a lot of women in the U.S. and, and particularly young women uh, are, are seeing that inspiration in Anna and she is could not be a better ambassador for the sport, you know, regardless of gender, but certainly for the women's field. I think it's just a special athlete and a really a special time to be involved in surf ski for sure and, and something we're seeing across the board as well like i noticed that jonas Eka was there again he's a really strong canoe sprint paddler he's also made a couple of world championship a and b finals uh in terms of the k2 with his partner there as well and he's someone who loves surf ski paddling i know simon mctavish who is 
Another canoe sprint paddler represents Canada. He did go to the last Olympics and will more than likely be there as well this time around uh, in Paris. Now, he, he grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney, but only has taken up surf skier paddling in recent years. I think um, because of the fact that I wouldn't go paddling with him any other way, I, I was done in the K1. But I know that Simon's starting to come to a lot more local races in Canada as well. Are you seeing you know, a shift maybe not just in terms of numbers at races, but also performance standards as well over the past few years? I mean, absolutely. I think it's really exciting to see athletes in from sprint in particular, just because that's where a lot of depth of, of young talent is who are taking an interest in surf ski. And I think anyone who's coming from that background of, of training really hard with a lot of volume and a, a incredible amount of speed, they're finding that fitness translates really well to surf ski and they could maybe be having more fun doing it. I know that, you know, you spoke about Simon and and he's a, a friend of mine and it seemed like he had such an incredible time at the gorge. And, and I actually also raced him on two other occasions uh, earlier in the year. And he seems pretty excited about surf ski. You know, Jonas, who you mentioned, had a, a great result at the gorge as well and is, you know, a hybrid athlete participating both in, you know, sprint and surf ski. And then you have people like Wilson and Nate who are athletes who are kind of dabbling in sprint and surf ski and and really finding that love in surf ski in particular i know both of them they had a bit of a a battle in the race but it's it's very exciting that so many athletes are maybe seeing the opportunities in surf ski despite having you know engagements in other types of paddling as well Without knowing the scene in America as you know as close as probably other nations, is is that maybe where growth lies for surf skier paddling in the U.S.? Is it about trying to engage those sprint athletes and and showing them that there's you know this cross training way to get their K's in and also provide some new skills as well? I I think very strongly as someone who has gone through the process. Granted, it was in whitewater. Gone through the process of being this very focused, very high level of burnout intensity, focusing on trying to get to the Olympics and doing it in a, a country that despite the, the, you know, the wealth and size doesn't support the canoe kayak sports the same way that maybe other nations do. I think it's such a great opportunity because one of the things that surf ski really is struggling to do in the U.S. is tap into a young market. Uh, the boats are expensive and there's a level of danger when you're you know, going out into the ocean and learning skills for the first time. But I think that what Sprint really has is a lot of youth programs. And you know, I know that, that Jonas and Anna and you know, Nate uh, and Wilson, who I spoke about earlier, all had some exposure to youth programs, um, specifically in Sprint. Uh, and I think that is such an incredible way for athletes to fall in love with paddling. And, and goodness, uh, I'm, I may be making some enemies here, but if you like paddling in the sprint capacity, then my gosh, you have a lot more to love if you end up getting into surf ski. Um, so, uh, it's very true. It is very true. Yeah, so I, I think I really... I would love to see, especially as maybe some young American athletes are taking notice of Anna and Jonas, you know, athletes racing very highly uh, on the sprint level. I think both of them are going to Pan Am champs. I know Jonas just went off to, to race in the world champs. And I think as young athletes are seeing these incredible 
young role models in the sport of sprint also dabble and thrive uh, in surf ski, I think maybe, hopefully, it will open the possibilities of, of them wanting to try it and engaging in a sport that maybe won't just last till they head off to college as, you know, in the U.S., college kayaking is not really a thing um, or university to be a little bit more universal there. But I think if you engage in surf ski, it is a lifelong sport. And I know that there, there are many surf ski athletes at the Gorge who were in the over 70 category. And so I think if you get, if you fall in love with surf ski, it can, it can stay with you for the rest of your life and not be something that, you know, as soon as you don't track for making the Olympic team, you end up giving up entirely. I love talking surf ski, paddling with you, Austin. In fact, it, it has inspired me to go out and try and find a boat somewhere. I'm in Greece, by the way. I forgot to say that at any point in this podcast. I'm in the Greek islands. Austin's at home in San Diego. Austin, you have inspired me to get back on the water because you're right. It is such a great outlet. It's such a great community. We have so many special events like the Gorge. So these are the kind of things that we will be celebrating more and more. I think I have said it a few times, but now that the ashes are over, we will be getting back into a regular routine with the podcast as well. So... Austin, thank you so much for your time in helping us kick that off. Because if it wasn't for you, Austin, we wouldn't be doing this for about another month or so. Oh, it is my honor. I uh, I just love chatting surf ski with you, Sam. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so every opportunity I have to be a part of it in large and small ways, I will absolutely jump at the chance. Thank you for everything you do, Austin. Thank you to everyone who is listening. The Paddlers Pod is back and we will be with you once again, hopefully very soon. Thanks, everyone.